Hey, North Point, how we doing? Uh, glad you found us online campus and uh, looking forward to worshiping with you uh, right now. So if you have the North Point app, great time to take that out. That'll give you the lineup for what's happening uh, over the next few minutes. And uh, let's sing a couple songs. Bye. 
Hey guys, we're thrilled to be able to get to worship together every weekend, whether uh, it's in person on property or online, just like this. And so what's important to us is that we get to stay connected. And so we try to make this as easy as possible for you guys. And so what we're asking right now is that uh, you take out your cell phone and that you would send a text message to 517-774-4079. If you would send the word welcome to that phone number, what's gonna happen is it's gonna send you back another text message with a link to our online connect card. And if you'd fill that out just to let us know that you were worshiping with us online today, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, we would also suggest that you download our North Point app. And the best way to do that is to send the word app, A-P-P, to 517-774-4079. And once again, you'll get another link sent to your phone where you can download the North Point app on your Android or iOS device. And finally, you can also continue to worship through giving by sending the word give to 517-774-4079. It'll send another link where you can set up recurring gifts or a one-time gift right now. Uh, this Sunday is also our second Sunday. It's where uh, people who are newish to North Point get to gather together and, and meet some of the staff, ask questions, kind of get an understanding for who North Point is. So we're going to do that this Sunday on property right there between first and second service. We do it every second Sunday of the month, which is why it's called 
second Sunday, right? Uh, the other thing we want to let you guys know is that when you feel comfortable to come back on property, uh, if you've got little ones who uh, are maybe a little rambunctious like mine, we've created a family-friendly area in the Student Life Center. There will be uh, games, there will be tables set up for families uh, with enough appropriate social distancing there, and we will live stream the service so that you can continue to be a part of the service, you can continue to be a part of having people around, there can be activities for your kids, and if they make a little bit of noise or, or get a little rambunctious or need to walk around or whatever, that's perfectly fine. Bring some stuff that they would enjoy. Bring some booster seats. Just come on down, hang out with us in the Student Life Center in a family-friendly area, and we get to worship together. About 15 years ago, one of my cousins uh, was in the uh, reserves for the army and was called up to active duty and, and deployed to Afghanistan. Many of you have experienced that. You know what it's like to have a family member, someone you love, a, a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad that's deployed and all that goes into that. I remember, that this was about 2005, I remember when he uh, landed on the ground uh, in Afghanistan. He sent an email back to the family and said, hey, here's some things that you can do that would, that would just really boost morale for our team, for our company that's here. here uh, here's some things that you could send. And, and he listed some movies and some games and some, uh, some treats, some candy, that kind of thing, that, that uh, he asked if we could send that that would be great, that that would, that would help the team that was there. One of the things that he mentioned, though, was he said, Man, if there's any way that you could give so we could purchase and send over body armor for me and for some of my, uh, for some of the guys that I'm working with, that would be a big help. They were in a place that they were, uh, that they were in harm's way, uh, daily. They were going through a city. They were, uh, in danger of mines and having body armor for them, uh, w- might make the difference in whether or not they lived or died. Uh, the army had provided for them helmets and automatic weapons and, and knives and all those kinds of things, but they didn't have the one piece of equipment that might ultimately save their lives. Uh, we're in a spiritual battle. We've talked about that last week. The, last week's entire message was devoted to that concept. I'd encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to, to uh, experience that, to go back and watch it online so that, so that you're kind of up to speed as we finish this series called Powered. Um, we are in this spiritual battle. It's interesting. My cousin now serves um, at the, as the uh, deputy commander of the West Point Band at the military academy. And uh, he's one of the few musicians um, in the military bands that has seen live combat missions. Um, I'm really proud of him. I'm proud of who he is and the way that he served. Winning a battle is dependent upon the right personnel, the right equipment, the right training, and the right battle plan. We're going to take a look at that today as we finish this series, this Powered series, and we talk specifically today about the right uh, uniform, the right uh, gear that we need for this battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 starts out and says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Therefore. I remember back when I was in college, one of my professors said, anytime you're reading scripture and you see the word therefore, you have to ask, 
What's it there for? So in this case, when Paul says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God, what's that about? He's saying everything that we've talked about in the last several verses, in in verses 10, 11, and 12, about the spiritual warfare that we're experiencing, that tells us that we've got to wear this this, uh, spiritual armor. We've got to be ready for it. We are fighting... We're fighting the the spiritual forces of evil, principalities, powers, rulers, authorities. We're in this battle that we can't see, and we've got to be prepared for it. Paul says, because that's the case, you need to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, It's interesting, as we work through the scripture, little bit by little bit, the things that God will show us, uh, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. He doesn't just say, make sure that you have the whole armor of God. Make sure you know where it is. You've got to put it on. One of the things that, that uh, scares me, it concerns me as a, as a pastor, is that many people who know and want to follow Jesus are aware of the spiritual armor, but they never wear it. They know where it is in their closet. They know how it's supposed to be used, but they never put it on. Going into battle without wearing your armor is so dangerous. You're, you're, uh, uh, you've got no protection, no plan for how you'll handle the battle. What, what is that full armor? Here's a picture of what it might look like for a Roman soldier. Um, as we work through the passage, there are some things about that, that picture that are really helpful, and then some things that I think that we'll clarify as, as we go through the scripture as well. Some of us know that the armor is there. We know what it is, but it stays in our footlocker because we don't really believe that the danger that we face spiritually is real. Paul says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, you can stand. When the day of evil comes... It may be that right now in the middle of the craziest time in history in our lives that you're not experiencing any sense of danger. Maybe for you, being at home over the last three months has been cool. You're just kind of chilling, enjoying everything. If that's the case, know that the day of evil is coming, that the warfare is right around the corner. We live on this battlefield, and if we're not experiencing the danger of that right now, we will in the future. Paul says it. He says, the day of evil is going to come, and you've got to be ready. You've got to have that armor on. You've got to be ready for battle. Um, When Paul wrote this, it was probably uh, 60 or 61 AD, and he was imprisoned in Rome. That's most likely the context of when he wrote this letter. Um, Paul was under house arrest. Uh, you can read in Acts about his appeal to Caesar, why that happened and why he was in prison. But he was, uh, he was under house arrest in Rome, waiting for his appeal to be heard by Caesar. Um, he, it's possible that he was chained to a Roman guard. So the imagery that's here, when we talk about the armor of God, it was something that Paul woke up every day to. He could see it. And so as he's trying to communicate his heart's desire to the church in Ephesus... To be ready for the spiritual battle, that imagery that was there right in front of his face was so easy to identify, to articulate, and to spell out for us. He says, um, stand firm then, because of this battle, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The, uh, the very first thing that Paul says is stand firm. Have this, this posture of preparation for a battle. A stance that has you ready no matter what may come. That stance is this, it's the exact same stance that a linebacker has in football or that a shortstop has in baseball or a good defender has in basketball. It's ready, you're ready to go. Your posture says, I'm ready for whatever comes. I can go left, I can go right, I can go forward, I can go backwards. Perfectly balanced and ready to go. Paul says, stand firm then recognizing that this battle is going to take place. What's it mean? Um, We have to have that same posture of readiness spiritually for whatever Satan may throw at at us. We've got to be grounded in the word of God. We've got to be confident in our relationship with God. We've got to know who we are. We have to understand that we're both bent towards sin. Sin comes easy to us. But we've also been redeemed by God. We have to understand that, that we, are, we are so insignificant in all of history and yet so valuable to God. Understanding who we are allows us to stand firm and to be ready for the battle. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, The hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer. Stand firm then. As that battle comes, Paul says, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Most of us think uh, when, when, when we hear the word belt, uh, we, we think like a fashion statement, right? We've got the thing that holds our pants up. That was not the case for the Roman soldier. It's interesting, uh, just a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, this message coming up, uh, one of our staff, we were talking about it in the staff meeting, and Hope Sharp said, oh, I'm so excited about this message that's coming up. You realize that, that the armor that's listed in Ephesians 6 is in the exact same order that a Roman soldier would put it on. It starts with the belt and goes, goes from there. And I just kind of nodded my head and thought, uh, you know... I've never heard that. I wonder if that's true or not. So after some uh, research uh, in preparation for today's message, I want to say, Hope's right. The, the armor that is listed for us in Ephesians 6, uh, it's listed in the order that it would be put on. It would start with a belt, not the thin kind of belt that keeps up your pants, but, but with a thick uh, a thick uh, piece that would go all the way around your body that would keep your clothes tight so that they wouldn't get in the way when you were in hand-to-hand combat. Uh, that belt helped provide support for all of your body. It helped keep everything in the right place. Um, and, and it provided support as well for your back so that when you were in that combat, wielding a sword, uh, using your shield, that, that your back was supported, uh, the um, Paul says that 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 in order to be prepared for battle, we've got to wear the belt of truth. Truth is so important for us. We've got to be able to distinguish truth from lies. Uh, just a few weeks ago in Ephesians four, we read. Um, will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When we don't know the truth, we get, we get, 
we just get washed from one side to the other. We don't know what to believe. We don't know who to believe. If we know the truth, we're able to stand firm. One of the greatest dangers I think that exists for us right now in our current time is that we accept everything that we hear as truth without thinking critically, without filtering the information that comes through the truth of Scripture. Think about what we've experienced over the last 12 weeks. Um, the conflicting messages. Where's the, where's the truth? Um, we've heard masks don't make a difference. No, you have to wear masks. People who test positive for the virus uh, but are asymptomatic, they, can't, they, uh, they can infect others. No, people who are asymptomatic can't infect others. We've heard the virus can live for days on heart services. And then we've heard, well, uh, no, actually, no, it can't. We can, we've heard the virus can live in water. And then we've heard, ah, no, the, the, it really can't live in water. We've heard the exponential growth of the COVID virus is going to kill tens of millions of people worldwide. No, then we've heard it's, it's probably only going to kill about 40,000 Americans. And now it's like, wait, we've had over 110,000 deaths. We don't really know. Our situation is so, uh, so apropos to, for that phrase of being tossed about, about just blowing back and forth. We've got to know truth so that we can understand our adversary in spiritual battles. Jesus said in John chapter 8, The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. He's the father of lies. Contrast that with what Jesus said just a few verses earlier in John chapter 8. When Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, The belt of truth is where it all starts understanding that we can trust God, we can trust his word. There's one last aspect about the belt that I just want to share as, as we uh, work through this armor, and that's that the belt was the, the tool that was used to hold the sword for the Roman soldiers. The sword attached to the belt, a good belt, and the sword was there ready and available for us. A bad belt or no belt, and there wasn't anything for the, uh, with which to attach the sword. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, has got to be wielded by us in battle. And if we don't have the belt of truth to hold on to it, it's going to be on the ground. It's the kind of thing, it's, it, no one can hold our sword for us. It's got to be attached to us. It's got to be familiar to us. It's got to be right there at our side. The belt of truth allows us to wield the sword of the Spirit. Knowing the truth can't be a second-hand experience. Ephesians 6 verse verse, uh, 14 keeps going. It says, stand firm, belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place. Uh, the the breast, breastplate for Roman soldiers was was originally chainmail. It's like on that picture that we have, uh, this interlinking of chains that went all the way around the body. It, it, was, it was great protection for the most part. 
but there were some drawbacks to it. It weighed about 35 pounds to have that chain mail draped around your body. So, so it was heavy. It slowed you down. And it also didn't provide great protection for arrows. Arrows could be shot literally through the chain mail into the body of the soldier. And so, uh, so it, it, while it was good, it wasn't the best that it could be. By the time, Paul, by the time of Paul in the first century, the Roman chainmail had really been re- replaced with, uh, with something that was called the lorica segmentata. It was a series of overlapping shaped pieces of metal together, bound together with leather straps covering the front and the back. Here's a, here's a picture of kind of what it looked like. It was, uh, it was kind of like a torso-sized shoulder pad that uh, football players wear. It was these layers that could move with the body, and the big advantage was that it protected from arrows in a much, much greater way, and it was much lighter. It actually was only about the third of the weight of the chain mail. It was a critical piece of armor for every soldier involved in a conflict. It protected them in both hand-to-hand combat, and it protected them from the archers who were far away shooting their arrows. It allowed a soldier to be flexible and to respond to threats, but it protected the core of their body, their organs, their heart, their lungs, their critical systems. When Paul writes about the breastplate of righteousness, he's not talking about the righteousness that we receive from Christ when we choose to follow Jesus, when we allow his death on the cross to take our place. Um, that we do receive righteousness at that time our, when our sins are forgiven. But that's not what Paul is talking about in the breastplate of righteousness. He's talking about the day-to-day living of, of choosing the right path, of living a holy life. Um, it, by, it's, he's talking about responding to what God has called us to do on a daily basis and making the right choices day by day. James chapter 4, James says, To him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. To not do the right thing when we know what's right is to leave ourselves open to deadly attack. It's to take off that breastplate of righteousness and to go into battle with no protection at all. It, uh, leaving our, our, our heart, our lungs, our kidneys, our, our, uh, our liver, our spleen, all of those organs, just, uh, just open targets to Satan in the middle of the battle. We are made righteous in Christ. Make no mistake about that. We are made righteous through Christ's death. But we also have to, li- we have to live out that righteousness on a daily basis. We have to choose the right path. We have to follow the, uh, the commands of Jesus. We have to do what pleases God and live out that righteousness to be prepared for battle. Paul says, stand firm, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a pair of shoes that don't fit very well, but it's terrible. You know, with the right pair of shoes, you can walk or run forever. You can just keep going and, and, and your feet don't pay any attention at all. But if you have a pair of shoes that don't fit correctly, that rub, that cause all kinds of problems, uh, you can't go for an hour without being in severe pain and the rest of your body literally falling apart. John Wooden was the coach of the UCLA Bruins uh, the basketball head basketball coach of the, of the Bruins, um, and won 10 national championships 
in a 12-year span of time. An incredibly successful coach. He won seven national championships in a row. Um, he was able to recruit the best athletes from around the country to come to UCLA to play. The, the people that he had there were just uh, outstanding. They were the best of the best. And in the very first practice every year that Wooden had with his teams from UCLA, he taught them something, something incredibly simple but powerful. He would sit them down and, and he would say, boys, this is how you put on socks at UCLA. And he would spend an hour teaching them how to put socks and shoes on in such a way that they wouldn't develop blisters, that, the, that their feet would be ready for the battle that would take place on the, on the basketball court, and, and so that their footwear wouldn't slow them down and cause their defeat. Footwear for Roman soldiers um, had little nail spikes coming out, little hobnails that would come out of the bottom so that they were ready for battle, so that they wouldn't lose their footing, so that they wouldn't slip and fall if it was muddy or uh, if it was sandy, so that they had tread and could, could stand firm in that battle that they were going to experience. Paul said, a part of our armor as followers of Jesus is to have feet that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It seems contrary to rational thinking to think that you prepare for battle by experiencing peace. But that's true. When we experience peace, when we have this sense of knowing who God is, knowing that he holds us in his hand, we're ready for the warfare that might come, ready for the fiery darts, ready for the battle, ready for the day of evil. And we recognize what it is that we're fighting for. Feet fitted with readiness that comes for the gospel of peace. In uh, Romans chapter 10, Paul says, how, how, can they, how can people who don't know Jesus call on one that they've not believed in? How can they believe in one that they've not heard? How can they hear without somebody preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it's written in Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, the gospel of peace. Readiness and peace prepare us for battle. Paul continues and it says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. For a Roman soldier, the shield was a big piece of equipment. It was typically uh, about four foot by two foot. It would cover most of their body. Um, it was typically made of plywood that was glued together, thin pieces of wood that were glued together at opposite angles to add to their strength so it wouldn't break. And then it was, they were glued together and then there was leather, leather covering the outside of it. Um, it was typically bent in, in a concave shape so that it went around the front of their body and over to their sides to protect them from enemies that may come from any direction. Rome's enemies would shoot arrows at the soldiers, at the Roman army, and the shield would protect those soldiers from those arrows that would come. As the warfare continued, oftentimes the enemies developed the ability to put pitch on the tips of the arrows and to light them on fire. So they would shoot flaming arrows at them with the idea that once they landed, that flame would spread everywhere. And the Roman shields were designed with that leather covering to absorb that arrow that was on fire and to put it out before any of the shield 
would catch on fire. There's so much there for us. In the imagery when Paul says, take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith is the, is the power that comes for us in understanding who God is and trusting him. One last thing about the shields that I think is really interesting. Those shields were designed to be put side by side and to latch together so that a company of soldiers might create this barrier that, w- that would cover all of them all across the front there were, there were uh, shields that could go over their heads, and, and a group of soldiers could instantly become, they could take what was called the tortoise um, formation and be completely covered on top, on their front, on their sides, and even in their backs from those flaming arrows and from the arrows of the enemy. This armor that we have, this shield of faith, um, describes for us not our position in Christ. It's not that, that uh, we're either in faith or not in faith. It's not that at all. It's not our faith in our ability to accept Jesus as our Savior. That's not the shield of faith. The shield of faith is the active faith that we exhibit in our life on a daily basis, recognizing that God is powerful, that he's involved in our life, that we can trust him no matter what the circumstances are. Um, Our faith in God, rather than our faith in ourselves, deflect the spiritual taunts of Satan. Our faith in God, not in ourself, absorbs the blows of Satan as he attacks us. Uh, uh, That shield for the Roman soldiers could take a direct hit, and what it did was it it, uh, took the energy of that hit and spread it across the shield rather than in just one location. It could... It could deflect that and allow it to be absorbed. In the same way, the shield of faith for us, our day-by-day faith in God, allows us to take the direct hit of Satan, whether it's the loss of someone that we love, the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, the loss of our financial health, disease, whatever it is, we can absorb that and still survive because of our faith, our daily faith, in God. Our faith allows us to see God and to see the good when everything around us is bad, when everything around us is uncertain. What are the fiery darts that Satan throws at us? Those are the lies, the, the blasphemy that he puts in our mind, the, the hateful thoughts, the doubts, the fears, all of the things that would make us take our eyes off Jesus. Those are the fiery darts that Satan shoots at us over and over again. But the shield of faith absorbs those, puts out the fire, it protects us, and allows God to help us move forward in the battle. Paul then says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The picture that we have there, right there, is of the soldier's helmet. It was made of the strongest material available. And that helmet protected the mind of the soldier, the brain of the soldier, the command center of the soldier. The helmet of salvation describes our position in Christ. We're saved. And it describes for us, it provides for us protection in the battle. Because God has saved me, He will save me in this battle as long as I don't go AWOL. 
Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The helmet, the helmet of salvation. Our status as a child of God protects the core, the command center, the way that we think. Um, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced that he's able to guard that which I've entrusted to him against that day of evil that's coming. Hear me in this. You You don't have to go brain dead to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is actually the most rational path in the universe. If God has sent his son to the earth, God sent his son, and his son took our sin on himself, it makes absolute sense to follow him completely and no sense to walk away from him. Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword for a Roman soldier was, a, was actually a small offensive we- weapon that was used for up-close and personal warfare. It's not the kind of sword that you would see with King Arthur in the, in the Middle Ages, the long sword where they do this big duel kind of thing. Not, a, not at all. This is like a dagger that's there um, that, that, that was deadly. It's interesting when you think about a sword or a knife. Um, the more you use them, the duller they become. But the sword of the Spirit, the more that you use the sword of the Spirit, the sharper it becomes, the more it's able to be deadly to the enemy and helpful in the battle. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus used the sword of the Spirit in Matthew chapter 4 when he was tempted by Satan. Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to even dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The sword of the spirit, what a powerful weapon. It's a weapon that the Holy Spirit can, can use in the spiritual battle. But we've got to know God's word, get it into our hearts, into our lives. Uh, Paul then goes into verse 18 and says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul says, pray on all occasions, not just when you're in trouble, not just when you want something, not just when you need something, but be in constant communication with the Father. Paul says, pray all the time with all kinds of prayers and requests. That means don't just pray uh, prayers of request, but it means to pray prayers of thanksgiving, pray prayers of praise, to uh, maybe to pray in written form, maybe to pray through song, uh, pray when you do, when your heart's wounded and hurting, prayers of supplication, pray all kinds of prayers and keep praying for the Lord's people, pray for each other. Finally, he says this, with this in mind, be alert. Last week, I, I shared First Peter chapter 5, and it's so appropriate. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering that you're experiencing right now. Be alert. Be of sober mind. Um, 
we have all of this armor, all of this warfare that's ready and, in, and able to be used for us when we're engaged in the battle. Apart from the breastplate of righteousness, which, which probably re- went around to the back of the soldier's body as well, all of that armor is so that we can move forward and face the battle, not flee from the battle. Um, James 4 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist. Engage in that warfare with Satan, and he will flee from you. Warren Wearsby uh, just shared, shared a great thought. In conclusion, he says this. In one sense, the whole armor of God is a picture of Jesus Christ. Christ is the truth, and he is our righteousness, and he is our peace. His faithfulness makes possible our faith. He is our salvation, and he is the word of God. Let me just read the passage again from the message. Beginning in verse 13, Paul says, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all of the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls, so that no one falls behind or drops out. Let's pray. God, we recognize right now that we're in the middle of this battle and we can't do it on our own. God, we thank you for these words from Paul that describe for us the armor that we need, the battle plan that we need, the tools that we need to be engaged in this war and to come out victorious. Not because of our strength, but because of you, because of who you are. God, help us. Open our eyes. Help us to see you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, have a great week. We start a new series next Sunday from the book of Daniel called Fearless. Hope to see you then.